How are we doing, Walk Church? You guys doing good? Awesome. Praise God. My name is Marco. I have the amazing privilege of serving as the next-gen director here at Walk Church. and uh, I'm excited to be able to open up God's Word with you this morning. I'm excited uh, just to be speaking and having this opportunity uh, to talk about this idea of grace. Uh, before we jump into that, do you mind if I tell you a little bit about how my family is growing a little bit? As we're talking about the word grow, do you mind if I share a little bit? Two weeks ago, my family and I welcomed a beautiful baby daughter. Uh, yeah, super excited. I'm a proud dad. I'm a girl dad now. Super excited. Um, our baby daughter's doing great. My wife is doing great. Our kids are doing great. And that's how our family is growing in a growing church like Walk Church. Super blessed to be here. Super blessed to be uh, talking on this idea of grace. Somebody say Grow. Somebody say grow with a little bit of excitement. Grow. grow. There you go. Thank you. The word grow is what we are jumping into over the next year in the life of Walk Church. Pastor Hayden uh, kicked off this series a couple weeks ago with the, uh, the, with the definition of this word grow. We're going to put it on the screen. It says become larger or greater or over a period of time or increase to spring up and develop to maturity. As we are growing, we are developing into maturity. Pastor Hayden launched this series several weeks ago, and he unveiled this idea and this focus of where we are heading as a church for this next year. And as he mentioned, the word grow is not to uh, grow in attendance and make sure every chair is filled every single Sunday. It's not to add a fourth, a fifth, or a sixth service, which we might need to with what God is doing in the life of Walk Church. But he's talking about this focus on growing in us personally, in my life, in your life, in our life as a body of believers at Walk Church in Las Vegas, Nevada, and around the world. If you accept the challenge and if you accept the responsibility of growing, it means you have to put aside some things in your life that are holding you back. You have to put aside some excuses that are holding you back from that next breakthrough in your relationship with Jesus. And trust me, I'm not up here just talking to you. I'm talking to myself. You want to know how many times I've used a bad excuse on not taking that next step in my relationship with Jesus? You know how many times I've said, I don't have my favorite Bible with me. It's at the office. I'll spend time with him tomorrow. Or I forgot my journal. I don't have a pen with me right now. Or uh, man, my, my kids are awake right now. I'll spend time with Jesus once they go to sleep when I'm ex completely exhausted. Or maybe sometimes like I'm at the grocery store just being in youth ministry. Like sometimes I have like 50 pizzas in the car or like a thousand pool noodles. People are like, what are you doing? And like sometimes I just like, oh, nothing, you know. I'll talk to them later. I'll tell them about it next opportunity. This year, I want to grow when it comes to those things. I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus. I want to grow in my evangelism. I want to grow in my life. Do you? By September 2024, I would love to say my life is different this year. This has been the best year of my life. I would love to look back next year and see the massive growth that has happened in my life. Here's a reality statement that Pastor Hayden gave us a couple weeks back. It says, if you grow, we'll grow. If you grow, we'll 
grow. If you accept the challenge and the responsibility of growing spiritually, uh, mentally, in every aspect of your life, we at Walk Church will grow in that aspect as well. If you grow and you accept that challenge and you accept that responsibility, your life will be better. Your family is going to get better. Your work environment will get better. The people around you will get better. The city of Las Vegas, the city of Henderson, the city of uh, Inspirata, the city of Summerlin, the city of Boulder City, our city, our region will become better. If you grow, we'll grow. But when we take it seriously, it begins to ooze out of us. It becomes to come out of us. It, like when we sweat, like the pores that comes out of us, grace and growth will ooze out of us. It's going to come out of us through every conversation, through every action, through every decision, and every mindset that we have. That's what we are praying for through this series. That's what our staff team is praying for. That is the vision and the mission that Pastor Hyden has released on our church for this next year as we focus on this word, grow. Through this year, we're laser focused on these four different areas, grace, repentance, obedience, and wisdom. I would love for you to have that same testimony in the fall of 2024 saying in these four areas, your life is completely, completely different because of grace, repentance, obedience, and wisdom. Last week, Pastor Hayden kicked off uh, this series talking about growing in grace. Today, I would love to preach a message uh, titled to you, Grace to Glory. A title that grace to glory because these are the words that are radically changing my life this year. And I believe they can change yours as well. There's three words that in my life, I've viewed them, I've heard them. They've permeated over my life. Justification, sanctification, and glorification. There are three fancy Christian words. Maybe you've never heard them before. Maybe you don't know what they mean. They're a really really complicated way for saying we have a savior that loves us and has a plan for us. Let's look over the, the definition of, of justification real quick. Our justification comes from being placed into a right standing with God because of his loving grace and for those who call upon his name for salvation. Justification happens immediately. The moment you say yes to Jesus, the moment you call upon him as your Lord and your Savior, and you place your trust and your faith in him, you receive this thing called justification. Next one is sanctification. Sanctification comes from bettering our Christian journey. Not because we have to, not because we, not because we, um, have to, but because we want to. There's a heart change. There's a heart position change that leans us to want to become more like Christ every single day. And finally, glorification comes from finally being in the presence of the Father in heaven. Both justification and, and glorification are instantly, they happen uh, like immediately. They aren't a long drawn out process. As soon as you accept Jesus as the Lord of your life, the Savior of your world, then you receive this justification. Everything that you've ever done and everything that you will ever do has been justified. It's been made right with the Father. And as soon as you pass away from this sinful, broken world, 
You will be glorified with him in heaven. You will come into his sight. But sanctification is where Christians will spend the majority of their journey in. You're leaning in on becoming more like him. You're leaning into that grace that the Father provides. You're leaning in to live a life that's honorable to him. Not because you have to, but because you want to. This has been a topic that my life has revolved around for the last year uh, or so. Uh, we have a four-year-old. His name is Teddy. Teddy is like really meticulous with like everything, okay? Uh, but when we are like in the process of like getting him down to sleep and we lay down with him, um, he's got some songs that are some of his favorite, favorite songs. And he asks for them to be played as he's falling asleep. And these four songs have to be played in the same order every single night for him to be able to fall asleep. I can't cut corners. If I turn the song off before, because uh, I thought he fell asleep, he'll be like, hey, dad, turn it back on. I'm still awake. <laughs> it's like, dude, come on, let's go to sleep. But they have to be played. They have to be poured over his life. These songs are grace on top of grace, reckless love, Waymaker, and good grace. If my life could have a title this last year, it'd be the word grace. Because over and over, these songs, these, uh, these different demonstrations of God have showered my life. These songs, I, I, I feel like I could sing them without the lyrics. Like I know them so well on repeat, night after night, night after night, over and over. And low key, I'm not mad about it. Because God is demonstrating his love and his grace to me through a four-year-old. And as he's falling asleep and singing these songs, I'm feeling that presence. I'm feeling that grace that God has given us. These songs have showered over my life and I began to see the definition that we explained last week and it's become a reality. We have a definition of the word grace on the screen. It says God's unmerited and everlasting favor given to us. The word unmerited means unearned, undeserving favor given to us. When you begin to see this grace and when you begin to understand this grace, your life will be different. The way you see yourself will be different. The way you see others will be different. The way uh, uh, it changes every single aspect of your life because the lens, the filter in which you see everything is different. I'm going to preach a message coming out of Romans chapter 5. If you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn there. If not, it's going to be on the screen in a second. But I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God to permeate over my life, over your life, over the next couple of minutes as we lean into his word. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for these moments. Thank you for the sons and daughters of you, God. Thank you for these moms and these dads, these brothers and these sisters, these grandma and grandpas, these students. God, thank you for what you're doing in our lives through this word, grace. Father, we love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's jump into it. If you haven't turned there yet, feel free to do that. We're, doing, we're, we're reading from Romans chapter 5, verse 20. And this is what it says. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as, God, but as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became abundant. 
as we look at that and, and as we unpack that, our first point for this morning leads us to say, more sin is more grace. More sin is more grace. In other words, God has given the human race, a lost race, an opportunity to be delivered from the guilt of sin, but not the nature of sin. You and I live in a fallen, sinful world where sin is all around us. Through scripture, we see a list of do's and don'ts, things that we should do and things that we shouldn't do, things that we should stay away from. But we see a very clear line not to be crossed. There isn't much that we deal with today that's not outlined in scripture. Maybe for like a four-year-old, it's like lying. Maybe murder, drunkenness, sexual morality, slander, lust, anger, lack of resting, self-control. All of these things are things that as a human society are things that we deal with. Yet often we try to become professional tightrope walkers crossing the Grand Canyon when it comes to avoiding certain sins and temptations in our lives. You ever seen a tightrope walker? A couple years ago, I saw that, that, that guy trying to cross the Grand Canyon on like a two-inch piece of webbing. Like, it's crazy. Like, he had a harness, but like if he fell, he was falling. Like, nonetheless, he was falling. I think in our lives, when it comes to sin, we try to get super close to this line and we try to walk it. We try to think that we have it under control. But if we don't, we're falling over. And most of the time, we don't have a harness that's going to catch us. We're going to fall straight on our face. Sin is harmful. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it, it controls us. We have to see this as a clear line not to be crossed. Uh, there's a guy that I look up to in the youth ministry and college ministry space. Uh, he's a uh, kind of a next-gen director uh, and pastor uh, for a missions organization. His name is Pastor Shane. And this is what he has to say um, about this. And it kind of really altered how I viewed um, my own relationship with the Father. It says, it's humbling to think that Jesus can already see my failures of tomorrow and yet still, still want to be my Savior today. He knows where I have failed. He knows where I will fail but today, he still wants to extend that grace to me. Today, he still wants to love me. Today, he wants to call me his son and lift me up to be his. It's laid out in scripture for us to, to see the standard that is expected of us, only for us to realize that we can't reach perfection. You and I cannot reach this perfection that the standard has set out, that scripture has laid out for us without the saving grace of Christ Jesus. And still we won't receive it until we are glorified with him in heaven. So this entire life that you are walking in, as, as you are being sanctified, as you are being made more like Christ, you still will not reach perfection. So look at the next verse in uh, chapter five. It says, just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Our first point was more sin equals more grace. Our second point this morning is more grace is more righteousness. You and I live in this lost and fallen world, but look at what it says. It says God's wonderful grace rules and gives us right standing with the Father. Friends, you and I have been made right with Jesus 
if we have a relationship with Christ. We've been made righteous. We've been made right. We've been placed into a right standing with him. Instead of leaving us to fend for ourselves, he reaches down and steps in for us. Quote by Pastor uh, Tim Keller. Look at what he says. Uh, This quote right here really helped formulate my own position on grace and love that the Father has for us. It says, grace is the divine rescue mission that reconciles us to God. It is God reaching down to lift us up, forgiving our sins and giving us a new life in Christ. As I read that and as I hear that, I see a physical illustration in my mind of God reaching down from heaven, extending his arm to me and allowing him or allowing me to reach up to him. He's repositioning himself to rescue us, to reconcile us to him. God in his love for us provides this grace for us, leading us to maturity in our life with him bringing glory to his name. Righteousness is another way of saying being made right with him. We are being uh, led to justification and we are being uh, made more like him every single day. More grace is more righteousness. That's why we're talking about this focus on growing in grace, repentance, obedience, and wisdom. As we are looking back, or as we are looking forward uh, to this next year, by, no, uh, by the fall of 2024, your life should look different. It should look different because you are being obedient in how we are growing as a church. But it doesn't end there. Paul almost like takes a deep breath and continues on in the first couple verses of chapter six. This is what it says. And then, Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we were joined in his death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives." Since then, we have been united with him in his death. We'll also be raised to life as he was. Verse six says, and we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power over our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin for we died with Christ. We were set free from the power of sin. That leads me to my final point for this morning. More righteousness brings us to more freedom. When you have been set free, you are no longer bound to the chains of sin in this world. You have been set free. That is uh, this last Wednesday night at our, our youth ministry, we had an event called Freedom Night where we are inviting our students to invite their friends to come experience freedom in Christ, more righteousness, more right standing with God, more favor, more grace from him leads us to more freedom in me, in him. But look at what he says in verse one. He's asking a question. Even though we have this grace, can we keep on sinning since God will forgive us? In other words, is it okay to keep doing wrong? Can I keep missing the mark? Can I I know I have this habit, but who's it really harming? I have these habits. I know I'm clearly told not to do them. That was totally the Old Testament. Mark, we live in New Testament now. 
We don't have to worry about that, right? No, Paul says, no, by no means. It doesn't make sense for a Christian to be freed from the power of sin and continue to live sinful lives. We've been freed from the power of sin, but the nature of still sin still exists. As a Christian, you will still experience adversity. As Christians, you will still face temptations in your life. As a Christian, you still may sin. But that's not a you issue, that's a sin issue. Maybe you're asking yourself, why can't I change? Why am I still falling into this? Why am I still working through this? Why am I still dealing with this? Pastor Craig Rochelle says, it's because, it's because we're focusing on the poison of religion and, not, and forgetting on the power of grace. We're focusing on the legalism of it. We're focusing on trying to be perfect instead of resting in the arms of the one that is perfect. Grace frees us from the power of sin, but it doesn't remove the nature of sin. That's why we have to keep growing. That's why we have to grow in grace. That's why we're growing in repentance. That's why we're growing in obedience. That's why we're growing in wisdom this next year. Paul even goes on to say, hey, the focus is to baptize believers. It's a spiritual connection with Jesus. For just as Jesus died in our old sinful selves, we were to raise to life with him. Let that be your encouragement. Today, if you're sitting in this room and you have a relationship with Jesus, but you've never said yes to baptism, that's your next step. That's your next step. It's laid out in scripture for us. Jesus commands his church to make disciples, to lead them, to learn more about what he says and to baptize them. Give them an opportunity to profess their, their, their faith in Christ. Biblical baptism is, is, is full immersion. It's a symbolic um, example of our salvation that has already happened. It's, it's the believer's life uh, that demonstrates it through our participation in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Baptism is nothing different than like our wedding rings. We can take them on and off, but our relationship with Christ is still there. Our old sinful selves were nailed to the cross with Jesus. We are no longer slaves to sin. We're set free from having to worry about the guilt of sin, of having to reach this high standard. We have to stop trying to be perfect and we have to start resting in the arms of the one that is perfect. Back in uh, 2015, I was working a job at UNLV. I was attending as a student, was trying to make some money. And uh, I picked up a job uh, working in the resident halls and I, was, uh, I worked at the front desk. Uh, so I worked there from like 10 a.m. to like 8 uh, no, sorry, 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. Uh, and I just, my sole responsibility was to help college students get back into their dorm rooms in case they got locked out after a long night of partying, right? And uh, most of the time there was nothing happening, but this one night I was really bored out of my mind and I was like, I'm, I gotta be like productive with this. I gotta use this. I was done with my homework. Uh, I literally like couldn't leave this desk. I was nailed here. And I had to figure out what to do. Um, I was a, a brand new Christian. And I was like, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to read my Bible. And I, I came across this, uh, this passage. Uh, and me being like a kind of like a creative and uh, I like graphic design, like drawing, all of those things are like passions uh, that I believe God has given me. And I remember reading this passage um, and God just put it on my heart just to kind of start doodling. I, I drew this picture. and It was a really great reminder 
that God in his love and mercy and grace for us extends his arm and holds us up. But at any moment in our lives, he can just close that fist. He can close it. It prompted me to remember at any time he could scrap this whole human plan and restart. God is God and God is going to do things that only God could do. And every so often, this picture will pop up in my phone and give me a quick reminder that at any time, this hand could close. We don't know when that's going to happen. We don't know if that would happen. But as a human race, it won't. Why? Because of grace. As we've talked about it, God's unmerited and everlasting grace and favor given to us. This reality statement I want to give to you this, uh, this morning, it's the power of justification, which is unmerited and everlasting favor, sets us free to live new lives with the identity of being sons and daughters of the King Most High. If you have a relationship with Jesus this morning, you are his son, you are his daughter, and we are seated right next to him. The power of justification, the power of being made right with him, the, the power of the grace that God gives us, which is unmerited, unearned, and everlasting, sets us free to live new lives with the identity of being his sons and his daughters. A couple years ago, uh, not a couple years, back when I was in high school, I still feel like it was a couple years ago. Whoa, that was a hard moment. Um, <laughs> Back in high school, um, back in high school, uh, I was uh, really trying to like change my life and wanted to try this thing called sports. I didn't do sports growing up. So my, my freshman year, I was like, I'm going to try out for a, a sports team. I wanted the, the, the letterman jacket. You know, I wanted to be one of the cool kids. Uh, so I tried out for the track team. I'd never run a day in my life. Um, wasn't a thing, just wasn't about it. And uh, my first day at track practice, I remember doing the two laps around the, uh, around the football field. That was like our warm-up. And uh, I remember watching uh, some kids like hang out by these like big mats. And I'm like, that's cool. I want to run. I want to hang out on those mats. You know, they're just hanging out. Um, and I remember uh, right after the two laps, I went and talked to the coach and was like, hey, what are you guys doing over here? We're like, what is this? He was like, oh, we're working on some core strength. I'm like, okay. I could work on my abs, you know, and um, I remember like leaning to that a little bit, learning, watching the exercises. I was like, so you guys just, you guys hang out right here? Like the furthest you run is like 50 meters? Sign me up, you know? So he is like, okay, here, take this paper home. This is what we're all about. Uh, little did I know this sport was called pole vaulting. And this sheet that he handed me was a death waiver that I needed to take home and ask my mom to sign. I'd never seen pole vault before, uh, but that evening I went home and I Googled, what is pole vault? Found some videos of these dudes like jumping 20 feet in the sky. And I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to run these laps. I'm going to do some pole vault. I'm going to run the 50 meters. I'll, I'll get better, you know, but like I was trying to cut some corners. You know what I mean? And I, <laughs> I wasn't good. <laughs> Uh, I'll, let, I'll let you uh, give you a little bit of insight. My freshman year, I made one bar at the very first meet. And after that, I just got in my head and I couldn't do it. I made six feet that year. A uh, little insight as well. Six feet is about an inch taller than me. Uh, and there are people that high jump taller than that. High jump is pole vault without a pole. Um, so I wasn't good at pole vault. 
but I wanted to get better. So I joined a, a, a pole vault club uh, and our coach was a, he was a college athlete. He did pole vault in college. He was really good. He had one in his backyard. I was like, let, like I'm going to get signed up. I'm going to get better. I'm going to get coached by this college guy. Like I'm going to get better. You know, I'm going to do this. Uh, I went every Tuesday and Thursday night of my high school career. And I still didn't get better. <laughs> I wasn't good. I, it, but it wasn't like, I just wasn't talented for it. But I would remember Coach Tilly would shout over and over. He'd constantly remind me, hey, lift your head. This isn't a microwave sport. This is a slow-cooked steak. Take your time with it. I tried to compare myself to these athletes that were jumping 20 feet in the sky and would instantly get discouraged when I remember my freshman year, I jumped six feet. It was a hard realization. I wanted to be the best. Also give you some insight. My senior year, I did get MVP of the pole vault team, but I was the only one. So <laughs> I learned not to rush the beauty of the sport. I still never got good at it. My senior year, I made a careless jump. I got injured and I had to sit out most of the year because I thought I could do it on my own. I thought I could neglect what my coach had taught me. I thought I could do better on my own. Because I got in my head and I thought I could do it on my own, I got hurt. And I think grace is the same way. We got to sit in it. We got to rest in it. We got to feel secure in it. Grace takes time. It's a slow cook process. I don't know about you, I'd, I'd rather grill a steak than microwave a steak. Right? It's the same way with grace. We got to rest in it. You can't rush the process of seeing grace happen in your life. Grace has to be a growth factor in me. Grace has to be a factor in your life this year. It has to be a factor in our lives. What is grace? It's God unmerited and everlasting favor given to us. It's unearned, undeserving favor given to us. And as we acknowledge and as we grow in this acknowledgement of grace that the Father has for us, we have to understand that if we, if we don't understand or if we're refusing to accept grace because we think we can do it on our own, it's going to be hard to grow in it. If you don't understand grace, it's going to be hard to give grace. It's going to be hard to receive grace. And honestly, we all know somebody who, who, who doesn't go to church but has a bad story about church, right? Because of somebody who was not filled with grace, was probably a little mean, and gave them a bad taste of what Christianity and what church is like. Church family, we need to grow in grace. We need to grow in it. That's why I think this, this sermon, it speaks so much to me. I hope you get something from it because this is what I believe God has been teaching me this last year. Like we said, these three words, justification, sanctification, glorification, our justification comes from being placed into a right standing with God because of his loving grace for those who call upon his name. Our sanctification comes from being, from bettering our walks with him, not because we must, not because we have to, but because our hearts tell us we want to. And our glorification comes when one day we are in face to faith with Christ in heaven. 
this, uh, this word uh, sanctification that you are going to spend a majority of your Christian journey on uh, reminds me of this kind of old story of uh, kind of a, a silversmith. You guys know what a silversmith is? A person that helps like purify silver. Uh, well, how they, how, how they purify silver is that he, he heats it up in this like big cast iron thing. And as it heats up, all these impurities come to the top and then he scrapes them off and he restarts the process, right? He reheats the silver and all of these impurities come back up and then he scrapes it off and he starts again. And at the end of the process, the silversmith is able to look down at the silver and see his own reflection. That's how pure it is. In our lives, I believe that the sanctification process in our lives is us getting heated up, all of these impurities in our life coming up, being exposed and being scraped off by God as we become more like him. And at the end of our life journey, as we are glorified with him in heaven, we're going to look more like him. That's the process. That's the goal for this year. As we are growing in grace, as we are growing in uh, repentance, as we are growing in obedience, and as we are growing in wisdom for us to become more like Christ every single day. That's a challenge that I hope that you would accept this year, that you would accept the, the, the calling on your life to become more like him every single day. Don't look back next year and say, man, I missed it. Don't look back and say, I could have taken some more steps to be more like him. Every single first day or every single first Sunday of the month at Walk Church, we celebrate, we highlight a communion, a, a representation of what God did for us. It's a moment of, of, of surrender. It's a moment of significance. It's a, it's a moment we're not, we're not just remembering uh, Jesus through a, a little cup of juice and a cracker, but it's a moment of rem remembering what these things represent, what they mean, how they actually impact and change our lives. It's a moment of surrender. This is what Jesus says about this moment of communion in the, in the Bible. In Matthew chapter 26, it says, And they, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. And he broke it into pieces and gave it to his disciples say, and said, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and said, Each one of you drink from it. This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. And it was poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. As the worship team comes join and joins me up here, I want you to take this moment seriously. I want you to look at this through the lens of God's love and forgiveness and grace for you. But I also don't want you to just go through it out of, as, out of another action in your day. I want you to take it seriously. Look at what uh, the, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 29. It says, if you eat the bread and drink from the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon your life. Take moments like this seriously. Examine your life. Examine what you're walking through. Examine what's going on. A couple years ago, I, I was teaching on communion uh, to uh, my youth ministry and we were teaching about it, and as our students were responding, a student came up to the altar, right, like an altar just like this, and surrendered, surrendered his iPod. He left it right here and went back and, and didn't come back for it. And after, after the service that night, I went up and was like, hey, like, what was that about? He said, Marco, I've been struggling with pornography, and my iPod was the means to do that. 
And I want to give that. I don't want to deal with that no more. I don't want to struggle with that anymore. He was removing obstacles and things in his life that were holding him back. Another student that night left the, left the service and called his mom and dad and said, Mom, Dad, I, we, we got in a fight earlier and I want to apologize. I want to be made right with you before I do this communion thing. I want to be in a right standing with you. That's what this is. This is what communion is, is us being made right into a right standing with God. I'm sure a lot of us have something to confess and give to God. Use this moment. Don't just take it. Don't just jump into it, but examine your life. As our worship team leads us, and as they sing this song, as the chords are played, as the drum notes are beaded and the guitar notes are played, I want you to take in the moment, examine your life. Moments like this don't just happen for teenagers, but they happen for our church. Let us be a church that demonstrates what that's like for our teenagers. Let us be a church that takes it seriously and lives it out. The cup doesn't just, rep, it, it, the cup does, doesn't just represent a piece of juice and a cracker. It represents the body and the blood of Christ. We didn't earn it. We weren't good enough to receive it, but it was given to us. And I think that's a beautiful reminder. We didn't earn it. I don't deserve it, but God gave it to me. God gave his life to me as a gift. And as we align ourselves with God in this moment, I don't want the thoughts to come into your head and say, God, if you fix this, if you remove this from me, I will do this. Because guys, it has nothing to do with your actions, but the posture of your heart. Posture your heart to lean into God and say, God, everything about me is yours right now. Surrender it to him and give it to him. Maybe you even need to position your arms like this, like open, surrender, surrender your life, surrender your thoughts, your actions, every aspect of your life to him. There's a song that reminds me of, of communion. It's a a song called Gratitude, and this is how some of the lyrics goes. It says, I've got nothing fit for a king. I've got nothing fit for a king. Nothing in me is good enough to be presented to a God, to the Lord of all, except for a heart singing hallelujah. Nothing I will ever do will bring anything to God other than my heart in a surrendered position and posture to him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for your good news for us. Thank you for your good grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your everlasting love and grace in my life. God, I pray for this service right now. I pray for people to respond in your name. Allow them to hear a voice of conviction that says these are the areas that you are rising through them. As you are purifying us, God, rise these things, rise these struggles, rise these things through our minds and allow us to be more like you, God. God, we love you so much and we're grateful that you love us so much that you gave us this grace, which was unmerited and everlasting in our lives. God, we love you so much. In your name we pray, amen.